Hey, everybody. Welcome to a supplemental core episode. This is a bonus episode based on an interview that John and Bo did at BlizzCon 2018, which just ended. We just got home uh, yesterday from... Actually, I think Bo uh, might be in the States still and is on his way back to Canada, maybe today. Uh, Anyway, they were able to sit down and do an interview. I was not able to be at because I was in the middle of a meeting with Blizzard uh, about a panel I had to run at BlizzCon, which you may or may not have seen that was Warcraft related. But thankfully, Bon uh, Bon and Joe, Bon and Joe, Joe and Bo, Bo and Hope, (laughs) John and Bo were right there and ready to roll. And so they recorded this interview. They talked all about the new stuff we heard about Heroes at the event, the new character, uh, her kit, and uh, maybe what it means to have homegrown Nexus heroes in our favorite MOBA Heroes of the Storm. So without further ado, I now give you Bo, John, and their interview. I never used this app before. It's brand new. Uh, but it's it's lighting up and doing the thing, so I'm going to assume that it's working. It looks promising. Yeah, it looks good. Excellent. Well, uh... Do you want to do a little intro thing, or? Uh, Scott will probably do that. Okay, okay. So we'll just Excellent. get to the end. So this is K.O. Milker, who's joining us. Uh, title again, or you were producer? You production were, director Production director, yeah. it's yeah. one I often forget. So, right. production uh, director on Heroes of the Storm. Thank you for taking some time to chat with us. Absolutely, glad you guys are here. Uh, just get right to it, Orphea. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, we're yeah. really excited about it. Amazing, Orphea. I can see that everyone's also like really excited. Like the dev team and the presentations I've seen. Yeah. Um, everyone's super jazzed. About this it. was a really unique opportunity for us. You know, we we the magic of heroes is that we bring in all yes. these Blizzard characters that we all know and love, but that process is really like constrained in a lot of ways in terms of like we have to like manage expectations with everybody. Everyone has relationships with these characters and histories, and everyone has their idea of what they should look like and what they should sound like and how they should behave. And Orphea was us just kind of like going blue sky and, and just going off and exploring something that was really exciting. Kind of going back to our roots with the game too, going back to these Nexus worlds that we created with those first eight battlegrounds and trying to flesh them out more and talk more about what the Nexus is, dig into the Raven Lord a little, and then introduce his daughter, Orphea. So it was a really, really fun journey for us. And was that kind of the, the chicken and the egg of it was it we want to do a new original hero let's find a, a kit that we think would be really cool and bring it in or was it we have this idea for this venom-esque symbiote kit that's super just in, incredibly cool let's build a new character around it um which was the do you know the order on yeah, that for for Orville, we really started with this this idea of going back to where we started. So when we looked at just those original Nexus worlds and the, and the characters that we'd introduced with them, which were the, the Realm Lord announcers that we all kind of knew from the very beginning of the right. game, the Raven Lord stood out to us. We kind of gravitated towards him, first of all. And then we kind of had these ideas floating around where just this sentence of, like, the Raven Lord's daughter was something that we kept talking about. And that led to a series of visual explorations that our concept artists did. And they showed at the panel today. There's one concept that was really early that Oscar Vega did that is like almost like she's almost totally true to that like it just captured everyone's imagination everyone got really excited about it and in that concept he had chomp in it with her so it was like this this graceful this small person with this giant thing on her back and then this giant monster behind her and it just like set our imaginations kind of aflame there we all just went off and started talking about what we wanted to do and it was really all born from that concept but coming from that basic idea of the raven lord's daughter and it was there was there a lot of concept art fielded like for the part of the process right like yeah it couldn't have been like oh the first one's perfect let's go like it no well it's funny there was a lot of exploration that the beginning part we played a lot with silhouettes in the game you know we wanted to create characters that really stand apart even if you didn't 
if you didn't look at yeah. details of them at all, just looking at their basic shape, that they would feel unique and you'd be able to say, oh, that, that's who that is, like right away. So a lot of that exploration was done. But then they started playing a lot with like the, her, her personality, trying to flesh out who she was, and that informed a lot of what her kit was as well. Like this idea that she's she has this powerful magic that's from her family, but that the relic she's carrying is kind of this ancestral power that kind of magnifies and, and almost like augments, reflects her own power. We just had a lot of fun playing with those ideas and, and playing with the juxtaposition of this, this, this small, graceful character and then this dark magic and power that's coming from it. And she's also all about being kind of a little bit unhinged. Like we're playing with her, her youthfulness in terms of she doesn't fully control herself. She's kind of out of control a lot. There's a lot of rage and anger mixed together with... Um, with that power that's coming from from the relic, and uh, we've all just, been there. So we were yeah, all that it's, age. It's fun, but her whole kit's built about, about that. Like you know, her um, her talent overflowing chaos is about as she does basic attacks. You know, she stacks. Um, she gets three stacks when she hits that. Her next basic attack will do extra damage, and it also heals her. So we're just playing around with this. She just gets all worked up. You kind of see that in the cinematic as well. Yeah. Like all these all these themes really played well together, and we dug into them a lot. Well, yeah, it really resonates. We had a chance to play her on the show floor, and her Q and auto attack follow up and continuing that dance. Really, uh, the dance aspect of her was really unexpected because when you first play her. Oh, what's going on? And then you start moving around. It yeah. feels really good. And yeah. Then, yeah, it's just top down uh, from A to Z. We just feel like the whole package is really cool. There's an elegance really well to her together. kit, yeah. almost. Like, it, it is this, like you said, it's a juxtaposition. You've got this horrific monster-looking thing. But then her Q, you know, on the surface, it looks very cool, the big attack that comes down. But then you got this nice little dash that you can dance around other moves and dodge and... I really like I really liked how that felt across the across the board. It's cool. I'm glad that's coming through to you guys. Like that that concept of her being this d graceful dancer was something really early in a lot of the exploration that we did, and being able to combine that into her kit in a way that it's like if you land those skill shots, you're getting that cooldown reduction on her Q, uh, and then getting that little dash. And I don't know if you guys saw that level t 20 talent either, which basically like unhinges her dash where you got a lot more mobility as you're hitting them. Saw it. Didn't you know we haven't had the quite the games yet because it's, it's very, hard to get very to open to leverage what, what we can do. Well, with not it, to brag, exciting. but my game ended in seven minutes, so. <laughs> yeah. Well, that BlizzCon matchmaking. It's a bit of a Yeah, yeah you know, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> right, only Scott got all the bad games. He's the yeah, only poor one. Scott. He, yeah. was, he's, he had to take uh, the brunt of it. Now, um, I don't know if we want to change tack a little bit because there's also some other great stuff that was uh, talked about yesterday in the um, What's Next. Yeah, there's uh, a lot going on. Uh, lots going on. Boosts, first of all. Yep. The creative idea for how to incentivize people. Well, you say, like, I think on the presentation it said a lot of people actually purchase this. It's actually a really popular pop feature yeah. in the game and it's actually, it offers a lot of value. I think a lot of people yeah. have really enjoyed it. Even if you don't purchase boosts, you get them, or impacts as they are today, right. they, they're they given out in, uh, in loot chests as rewards yeah. as well as you're leveling up. So I think people have interacted with them a lot. It's a really cool feature, but we basically just wanted to kind of level it up a little bit. We haven't touched it since we first introduced it. So adding this kind of social aspect to it where Everybody in the game who has a boost active is going to give a 5% XP bonus, so you can stack that up to 45%. There's a, there's a visual flare? In, yeah, in well, game. you see yeah. it when you first get in, like, basically, um, like, when you when you first start the, the map, when you load in at the Hall of Storms, there's a, the little boost icon will just appear above everybody that has it, and then you'll just cool. see that you're cool. getting that bonus at the end of the match. You kind of see an extra bonus, which is just a fun little thing. And then going from stim pack to boost is really about, stim pack was a StarCraft thing that came from us right. being the StarCraft team, mm -hmm. and we just, as we were leveling it up, we wanted to give it a name that just kind of set it apart but otherwise the functionality is the same as it's always been. It offers the same, um, you know, that 100% um, 
XP bonus and 150% gold bonus, so it's a, mm -hmm. it's a cool thing to have. And are we looking at the same durations as well as far as like how long we're still going to have yeah. the year one and all that? Yeah. The year one that I always look at and go, I don't know if I want to do that, and then I end up buying it every yeah. month anyway, and I'm like, why didn't I just buy the year one? I, I always know I'm going to get it, but I always tell myself at the time of purchase, ah, I'm not going to get it every month, and then I do. Um, so again, moving quickly, because we're limited on time, ranked, a lot of ranked news yeah. to come out of that, and um, I know there's a Q&A recently where there's some feedback requested from the community about this, so I imagine conversations take place, and we're, we see that continued progression towards like picking a new lane. And um, I mean, if you can just elaborate a little bit on what was what was uh, discussed sure. there in terms of, especially like the MMR, showing the MMR, but we're still going to have a nice UI element for it, like Diamond 50, I think was mentioned. Yep. So a lot of changes, and it's kind of the culmination of feedback from the last couple of years. And ranked is something that we've changed a lot. You know, it's something that we keep iterating on. I think it's we've made big strides and it's gotten better and better, but the more we play it, the more we talk about it, the more things that we want to keep improving. So the stuff that Joe, um, Joe, our lead system designer, outlined yesterday at our, our What's Next panel is kind of uh, the approach we're taking across the next year. And so this is something, too, that it's not going to all hit at once, and Joe, Joe kind of touched at this. There will be pieces that kind of roll out season by season, but the, the overall gist of it, we want people to understand, like, we're hearing that feedback, and this is the path that we're taking out of it, and I think we'll start talking more about, like, how, when those things will start unfolding so we can all kind of get excited about them. But big changes, yeah. Basically, we're rolling. Right now, we have Hero League for solo queue. We have Team League, which used to just be for, um, you know, twos, threes, and fives, but now it's open to any size party, which actually was a awesome improvement and that was actually one of the first steps of getting into where we're going with this we're going to collapse both of those modes into one ranked play mode um, solo pl players who like loved hero league and they want to be purists in that mode can still they'll be able to check off if they want to only be matched with solo players as well so we'll maintain that feeling if you really want to enjoy the hero league type experience but by combining those cues of all the advantages we have of Team League now, the audience of Hero League as well, we think it's gonna create a really cohesive experience and really make ranked like the destination instead of this kind of two different modes yeah. that you kind of feel like, which one am I gonna go into? Yeah, it also feels like, you know, um, it was discussed I think a long time ago too, but we wanna make sure we don't put too many, we don't wanna overwhelm with too many modes in yeah. the client, so taking Team and Hero and putting it into one reduces the amount of activities in that way, and also the other thing that was presented was uh, unifying quick match experience a little more to rank so that it kind of felt like the intention in the panel was to say well you can do both interchangeably a little more it's like because right now quick match is like well it's gonna it's gonna yeah. be what it is and so, so I really I really like that uh, yeah so, so there's more changes to rank but I will touch on quick match real quick since you brought it up yeah, but like, yeah for that's sure. one where as Joe said that's our most popular mode mm -hmm. like and the, the beauty of quick match is you pick the hero that you want to play and you jump in and you play that hero yeah. then we always looked at it as kind of the wild west beyond that like our goal was get in the game really quick get in, get in with the hero that you want to play but there were a lot of other things where you'd get in matches where it just kind of like, Ugh, this is not a great comp. And again, we're balancing the game around some assumptions about the types of teams that you're going to have put together. So quick, quick match can get in places where it's not as fun. Even though you're playing the hero you want, you're not having the experience in heroes that we'd like you to have. So these changes are going to ensure that, um, that, there's a, that there's a tank, there's, there's a hero, healer, and that there's a ranged assassin in every quick match that you have, which will basically start giving you team comps that are nice and feel better yeah. and make the game feel more like it does in ranked as well. Because those are the kind of comps that you're picking when you're drafting and actually putting together a team the way everyone would, would want you to have it. So, right. It Less conflict among friends when somebody says, I'm going to play Abathur, and you go, well, now we're going to be in the weird queue. We're going to see nothing but weird stuff. 
Yeah, yeah. There's two flex positions in there. Well, and in the background, they'll try to do things to make sure that after we've we've ensured that we've got those first three key roles in it, that we're putting together reasonable teams from there. But that should just help. That should help a lot. We're yeah. we're pretty excited about it. It's a good change. Excellent. Yeah. No, I'm 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 really stoked for that. Um, do you, do you have a, I still see a lot of people playing versus AI? I know a lot of people for our show. They often listen to the show, but they don't. It's, it's surprising how many people don't venture into quick match. Actually, that they're still in AI, and we had the awesome PVE content in the brawls, yeah, that's really fun. which is a real highlight of the past year. Um, I know nothing was announced this week, but is that also generally a philosophy to get more people playing into quick match? Is there uh, anything well, along those lines? We like that progression. Of, but I mean, ultimately, we want people to play the modes that they're comfortable with. There yeah. are people who want to just play versus AI, kind of going back to the olden days of comp stomping in all of our RTS games. Like, There's something that's fun about that. A lot of people want to just have it be a little more relaxed, lower pressure, and just jump in and have fun and, and not yeah. have to worry about it. I think, too, that there's plenty of fun to be had in those modes. So I think we want to keep supporting that. We liked brawls as a fun place to experiment with things. Those PvE brawls we did were awesome and something yeah. that we've actually learned a lot from. Don't have anything else to talk about on that front. No, but of I think, course not. Uh, but but uh, I think yeah. that's the kind of stuff that... It, those are the areas where we can play around and, and kind of break the rules of our game. It's, it's such like a competitive experience, so to be able to go off and do some things that are, that are a little... A little more cooperative like that is really fun for us, but um, but I think we'll keep leveling up versus AI. We've made, been making a lot of improvements to the AI itself lately. We had we got into a period of time where we made some really dramatic changes to the back end, and then AI started doing weird things. But we've yeah. slowly been putting them back where they need to be. I was playing the other day against. I ended up in a game. I accidentally queued for versus AI. We had uh -huh. a Taranda that was nailing. <laughs> it was like it was only adept or something. It defaulted to adept, and they were okay. she was nailing like every stun. Every owl, I was blown away. Like it was like, I wanted her to join my party. <laughs> right, keep playing with me for the rest of the night. Actually, can we party up? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, like on that front, um, is in terms of, of the the versus AI, is there uh, just a sense that more brawls maybe in the future would focus on on skill building? Is there a sense that the team is it even where? I know that you don't talk about anything that isn't announced, but that uh, AI can be used to help build confidence and skills for players who are looking to move in that direction, is that? Yeah, I think it's, it's a good proving ground to get comfortable with things. And we definitely yeah. see a lot of players, especially with new heroes come out, that they go, they kind of get them to that level five that they needed to be in before they can start queuing for ranks. It gives them a space to feel them out and get to know them both on their team and playing against them. So I think there's a lot of value in that. Um, I, like for the teaching part, it's a thing that we talked about a lot for the game. I think right now we have that. It goes basically from the tutorial, and then like you're kind of on your own after that. And it's something that we've always wanted to improve in the game. We've looked at a lot of different ways. Something that Joe talked about yesterday was performance-based matchmaking, which we actually put into the game last year, and I talked about it here. And then we ended up not actually rolling it out fully, but we did run it in the background for like an entire year and gathered a ton of data. And what it's going to do is give us information that we want to front to players. That kind of starts contextualizing their performance with a given hero on a given map, and starts giving them information that helps them say, oh, I need to do more of this or I need to do less of that. So they at least can understand the types of things that, that skilled players are doing with those heroes that they're playing. So that's probably the next step of, of the kind of education part of it that we want to do is take this feature that we originally wanted to use to inform our rank position in the game. We decided that's not a good idea, but, the, but that data is really valuable to tell right. people how they're playing. I mean, that's, that's what I hear all the time is I always hear people say, 
well, I know everybody was mad at me because I didn't do X, but I didn't know why I needed to do X. Yeah. And there's like subtleties to those things where it's hard to learn that. Like may, you might find a streamer or someone that's playing it and, and you like pick up little things kind of through osmosis, but having something at the end of a match that's kind of like a scorecard there that can really present you with information that goes, oh, I'm like way underperforming on these things. I'm like dying way too much, which everybody's dying way too much. Like that's sure. probably the default right. one. Yeah. But there's like so many other things where you can look at and say, okay, I need to be focusing more on this area of my play. And then you start seeing that movement game over game and understand like oh now now I'm actually doing well at that part what now what do I focus on you can find the next the next stat in there or the next behavior that's going to be an area of focus for you we're pretty excited about that excellent let's go yeah. the uh, the new roles yeah if we could talk about that a little bit um, it it was one of those things where uh, what made you decide these were we wanted to go because you can go extremely big with roles sure uh, you can blow it out I I remember when I first got into when I tried league for the first time. I said, well, I guess I'm a carry because if the team can, if they're calling it a carry, that must mean I'm the best by default. So, of course, I'm carry. <laughs> so that's me not having enough information to make a good choice. But also you can go too small and have players feel suddenly boxed in and, yeah. you know, we got to do this. Uh, what led to landing with the, with the ones that you ultimately chose? I think a part of that was... We started with something, we wanted it to be pretty small because we didn't want to blow it out so much that it just became like that some giant amount of research you had to go do to understand the, the different characters in the game and what they were capable of. But as the game has progressed and people play it, like players started calling heroes bruisers long years ago, right? Like it, there was a distinction there between yeah. between a Son the Sonya and Johanna example, right? Like they, they just play really differently and it's not really... Even from the matchmaking, when we try to classify them and put them in buckets and we try to make good matches, you get in a game and say, well, I have a Sonya and you have a Johanna. That's not two tanks for our purposes. Like It's kind of the natural progression of us just seeing how all these things landed, how players were treating them, and trying to front that to people in a way that we all were speaking the same language about it and understanding the differences and distinctions between these different characters and roles. No specialists. Yeah, no specialist. That's so, a bit of a statement, yeah, I think, so, for, that we perceive anyways, I think, in the community. Well, it's interesting because... You know, specialist was really just our bucket of like these guys are weird and we don't know what to do with them, so right. we'd stick them in that bucket. And they it varied. You know, we'd have everything from these kind of siege heroes, and I think a lot of people thought of specialists like oh, it's the siege heroes. But there were other characters in there too, where it's like, no, they're not really siege. They're just doing weird stuff, and we honestly didn't know what to do with them. But through this process, we've we've eliminated that and put them all in their places. And even with reworks, like we talked about um, the Savannah's rework that's coming up. Yeah. So she's a specialist. She, we used to say she specializes in kicking ass. Like, that's kind of... That was I mean, there's video evidence in the Warcraft yeah, trailer. Yeah, there's a lot of evidence <laughs> but, of it. But now. she's becoming a ranged assassin now and really going more to, I think, her, what her fantasy is and what her role in our games have been. We're, we're playing around with keeping... Um, Keeping this really unique ability that she had to be able to shut down structures, and that, that's going to be in her kit as well. But but being able to take her and say, she she has a purpose. Let's understand what that purpose is, and not be kind of have any disagreement about what she's there for. Right. Um, we ended up taking doing this similar with all the other assassin or specialists of moving them into the categories that we thought were appropriate for them. And it's everything. I want to say there's some things in there too that people might go, huh? That's what we did with them. And I think because we, we showed the little bubbles of where they all landed, but I'm pretty sure like. I think Gazlo's a ring or a melee assassin in there, and yeah. Zebo's a ranged assassin in there, and some of that stuff. You go, okay, I kind of see that, kind of makes sense. But again, we'll be going through those characters as well and making sure we do things that maintain their identities while making sure that they really can be successful in the roles that we're putting them in. So, will there should people be on the lookout for potential changes to help them do that role better? Because I know one I heard a lot of people going, "Huh, I guess I can see it was Malthiel in a Bruiser." Yeah, like a lot of people I know were like, "I didn't. I guess maybe." 
there, there will be some, like, some of it will just be some number tweaks. There'll be some talent changes. We kind of will see that as this stuff starts rolling out. Um, but all of it, too, will be things that we'll be looking at, like, everything in the game and talking about. And if we all kind of keep going, that doesn't make sense. Like, I keep ending up when I'm getting a comp of this and I'm saying, that actually should not be that role. We'll make, we'll make changes accordingly. You think there's still a big distinction between mages and, and auto attack ranged in terms of that category? Because the category yeah. was, was, of them, strikingly large. And I, we have that shorthand of... Uh, ability damage heroes versus... Yeah, there, there was some discussion of that. I think right now we feel like this is a good starting point for okay. them. It's still ultimately their function, even though they go at it different ways, they're still serving the same purpose in the game. So I think there's some of the nuance of like understanding, well, actually, they're all auto-attack builds, so we need, to con we need to counter that on our side. That's kind of, I think, where the skill and experience of playing the game comes in. We might get to a point where we go, oh, okay, well now let's put that up again, but we start getting into that territory of like, how many roles do we really need in one in this game? So some heroes are both, right? Like Hanzo has a lot of ability damage, totally. has a lot of auto attack damage, so really, that's maybe more of a community. Thing. Yeah, and then we'll be like, they're multi-class again. We'll, we'll, we'll get back into that thing. Multi-class range assassins. Yeah, so where did Varian fall? I didn't, I didn't notice. Where did Varian fall? Uh, I think he's a bruiser, bruiser in that. I think yeah. that makes sense. I think he landed at bruiser. Yeah, that was funny. We like Joe even joked on there. He's like, "Our multi-class variants." Yeah, like, it's just, <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> We talked about it at the time. We were like, "All right, he's our first multi-class, and he was our only multi-class." It was like, a really interesting experiment, and I think we've enjoyed playing with him. But, um, but it's challenging. It kind of goes against what we're trying to accomplish now with this, which is understanding mm -hmm. the roles that these characters will play in the game. Right, because I think uh, the the ultimate or the heroic on um, variant. It's very defining. Like, if the community thinks one way is the way to play it, then he just becomes a tank, or he just becomes an assassin. Yeah. And uh, that? Well, that's exciting. Um, do we have any other questions? I mean, it's... I've probably got a million, but I don't I don't want to necessarily run yeah, too long. There... No, we can go through questions. Well, I mean, if there's, you know, but if there's um, any other, you know, because they're community... I mean, I think the big thing is the XP, the catapults. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Catapults yeah. The gameplay well. update. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we should talk about that. I didn't know how into the weeds we wanted to go with it, but yeah, I'm no, very yeah. curious yeah. about it. Um, no, it's cool. So, I, do we want to address snowballing, right? Like, yeah, well, so our thing is, it is addressing, that. like, the, the point is to address that, that sensation of the game, you start this momentum building early on where a few good moments make the game just kind of unrecoverable, and it, it's not fun for either team at that point, right? Like, yeah. when you're in those games where you're winning by four levels... I don't feel good about that on the winning side. It right. does not feel good on the losing side. And you start getting to that place where it's like, how do I recover from this? And it may be unrecoverable. And so this idea of trying to make sure the matches are as competitive as possible, where every every action, every choice you make, every team fight is important. Like that, we want we want that to be something in the game. So these changes, pulling XP out of our structures, they are moving the XP into other places as well. So overall, the same like you'll be leveling at pretty much the same rates you do now. It's just different sources of that experience and then making it so that um, you do get a benefit because we are spawning those catapults now every third uh, wave when, when you kill forts and, um, and keep still spawn the catapults constantly once you get them down. But um, it creates these moments where you have to make a choice then. Do I push with that catapult now that we've got it? Do I go do something else and we split them up and, and do something? So we like that. We like the strategy of that and that it's not just get, get ahead, stay ahead. Right. And we had, um, we had a, a friend a comment that it'd be interesting once you do the Sylvanas rework to find out where possession lands because he's like, oh, those sweet, sweet catapults, I'm going to be switching them over. That might be a thing. Like, yeah. Sure. yeah. Yep. So, but um, 
No, I thought that was really interesting, and that w I think that's an important thing that communities. I know in our games, we're feeling it sometimes. On both ways, it feels bad. So. Well, yeah. have you seen internally with your testing on this? I know you know the the common conception. Um, I, I'm not sure if it's a misconception or not. Is that two lane maps tend to favor snowballing more than three lane maps? Have Have you seen this have a dramatic impact on those maps as well? Does it yeah. still tend to trend that we, way? or We've been testing this for a long time in our internal playtests, and while it, it pales in comparison to the moment we get it in players' hands, and that's why we do these things, you know, it'll be on PTR, we'll put it out, and we're going to be feeling this and watching it very closely, but it made a really big difference across the board for us. Like, just matches felt better like this, and across different skill levels too. So I, I read a lot of feedback yesterday about it, people have concerns like, oh, well, you know, this is only makes sense for certain like levels of skilled players, and it doesn't make sense across the board. But in our in our tests, it's actually been really positive across the board. So we'll, uh, we're eager to get in players' hands and see how that goes. And I mean, we saw a little bit of that yesterday with just the games we played. I mean, I made the joke, mine was a seven-minute stomp, but we did see on the counter that I think Scott had a game where they were level 23 or something like that before it, was it ended game. and it was all tight. of that. Like, so. and they, they've, well, I mean, they were on the winning side, I think, most of the match, but towards the late game, they had, like, four warrior. <laughs> it was insurmountable, Malganis and everything else. Like yeah, but, um, well, that's that's interesting. Any any information on how the flex will be picked in Quick Match uh, for that? Like, um, is that just to roll the dice and whoever's ready? Yeah, I don't, I don't have the details on exactly okay. how it plays out. We'll try to get more information into everyone's hands here before it actually hits. Yeah. Um, but I, because it's gonna come a couple weeks after Orphea goes live. Okay. So we got a couple weeks or later on this month before it comes in. But, uh, yeah, I don't have all the details on sure. exactly how that goes okay. in the back end, but we'll, we'll talk about it. And we were just, I was just talking today. Um, we both of our panels went a little long, and so our Q and A's we didn't get to answer as many questions. So we're gonna try to do some like something on like an AMA or something soon too yeah, to try to yeah. get some more questions that players have about all the stuff that we and, just yeah. Did. And this is this is less of a question, but just more of I think feedback at least from me. But those Q and A's have been really great this year in terms cool. of seeing the the roadmap and what people are thinking. I think the communication's been really good from the heroes team. Right on. We and uh, I mean I read through everything like furiously just to make sure I don't miss anything. But it's really good that you guys do that. Cool. Well, yeah, we took a different approach this year of trying to get, like, trying to focus in on different subject matter and then bringing in the people who are actually the developers working on that area right. so that they can both answer questions, but then they're also just taking in a lot of stuff too. So it's been good. We want to keep doing that. Uh, we want to set the schedule and let you guys know what the what the AMAs are that are coming up because we want to be able to talk about, like, just the plan of what areas of the game you want to talk about, get people to like, get their questions together and, and be able to dig into it more. Excellent. I mean, I think I have perhaps the most pressing question so oh, far. Right. Okay, that's good, because it should be the last question. When are we going to get a Donnie Vermillion announcer? Uh, <laughs> ah, Donnie Vermillion. Yeah. We love Donnie Vermillion on core. We, well, so our casual versus AI game is SC2 Co-op Commanders. Yeah. John love it. Yeah. Cool. yeah. And uh, we love Donnie Vermillion. Right on. And, and also Terra's, oh, Egon. Yeah. 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 Got some Stepman in there. Yeah. But, I, uh... I will take that back. You know, it's uh, funny because you know I worked on Star, uh, Wings of Liberty, and Heart of the Swarm, and I, I have a special place in my heart for for Donnie. And <laughs> oh, good! <laughs> it's just we've always wanted that announcer that's going to sit there and actually maybe be against your team. Maybe you know, yeah. one of the things here's my bit of feedback: the Kevin Johnson announcer, so good, it makes you feel good. Yeah. Like I kind of saw it, and honestly, I was like, okay, Kevin Johnson's getting his moment to shine. That's good. But then I heard it, I was like, I might use this announcer all the time because it just he makes you feel good. Yeah, no, he's super supportive and he gives you positive reinforcement. And when things go bad, he's still nice to you. 
you. Like, it's really cool. We've been talking about it all. And we're like, we really love you, Kevin. You're so nice, man. Yeah, <laughs> it's so nice. So, yeah, I want the Donnie Vermillion to be the exact opposite. <laughs> the, best part, <laughs> the best part about the announcer is he reminds me to pick my level one talent. The number of times I run into a match and I'm like, oh, crap, I didn't take my talent. And he's like, please remember to pick your level one talent. I'm like, that's great. I love you, Kevin. <laughs> Thank you.